We started last week this series that if you've been around Grace, you, you've heard this term probably. It's called starting point. What we are trying to do is have a conversation about kind of the fundamental or the foundational things about Christianity. Okay? So we want to kind of take some of the basic things and, and bring them to light, have a conversation, and hopefully have an honest conversation where we can think through these things, talk about these things, and it's okay. That it's a safe space for us to process all of these things. And so last week what we looked at, and if you want to go back, you can listen to it, is the problem that we're facing on a daily basis. And that's sin. Sin is the problem that has entered into this story. Back in Genesis chapter 3, everything was beautiful. There was unity with God, and they were walking in the garden, and there was no sin, and, and everything was perfect. And three chapters in, we messed up. And sin enters into the equation, and now on a daily basis, we have got to battle sin. But there's a way out, there's forgiveness. And when we get more into that in the coming weeks, because of what Jesus did. And so now we want to take the second look at this idea of rules. Rules. Because I think a lot of times when we, we think about Christianity, that's probably one of the first things we think about. When we think about this relationship with God, we're like, well, it's just following a bunch of rules. I can't have any fun. I, I've got to do all the boring stuff. I've got to go to church. I've got to read my Bible. I can't do this, but I'm allowed to do that. It's, it's all about following rules. And I'm here to tell you, as we dive into this here in a second, that it's not about rules, but about a relationship. That as you begin to understand that this is a relationship that we can have with our Father, it's not rules, but it's out of a desire to please Him that we follow what He's called us to. And so, I don't know what your view of God is. I don't know what, what you think of God. But I think sometimes it's helpful when we get a different angle. We get a different viewpoint. Just like some of these pictures. You know, when you see this picture, from this angle, it looks a little scary. You know, he looks like he's kind of hanging off on the side of a... I don't even know. It's hard to explain. But then you go to the next picture, and I rotate it a little bit. The angle changes everything. Or maybe one of these, where right here, it looks like he's about to fall off the cliff. But if you rotate it a little bit, it changes everything. I think I got one more. This, very interesting, looking like they're walking sideways, but you kind of change the angle, and it's different. And I don't know what your view of God is right now. I don't know if in your head you get this idea of God that he's this coach. That he's yelling at you all the time and, and he decides when you can play and when you sit the bench and you've got to follow these rules and then you've got to get disciplined here and you've got to run laps here. Maybe that's your view of God. Or maybe you've got this, this idea of God as, as some type of you know, politician that he comes up with the rules and he makes the decisions and he does everything for you. I don't know how you view God, but, but I think sometimes what happens when we see this idea of rules, when we talk about rules and the things that we do to obey God, we, we get the one angle of the picture. We get like this angle, and we're like, okay, 
That's an aspect of it. But I think sometimes when we change our angle a little bit, when we look from a different angle, just like in these pictures, it changes everything. Now when we see that first angle, it looks like they're walking the right way, but then when you change the angle of the picture, now they're the ones that are walking on the ground, it looks like. And so as we view God, I want you just for this conversation to maybe look at a different angle at God. Maybe look from a different viewpoint, because based on how you see God and yourself, is it's going to be how you see this relationship relationship. Because more than anything that I've learned over my years, and I hope to communicate this to you over the years, is that this is an amazing relationship that you can have with God. And so often we change this into a workspace thing, or a religion where there's things that we have to do in order to check off the list But when you truly have a heart to dive into the relationship because you want to, it changes everything. And so as we begin to unpack this, I want to unpack this idea of what do you see? What do you see when you look at God, when you look at Christianity, when you look at this idea of rules? Because rules don't automatically equate a relationship. Rules can can make us follow certain things, but they don't just automatically equate in a relationship. If Shannon just gave me a bunch of rules to follow, that doesn't mean we're in love. It doesn't mean we want to do life together. I'm just following certain rules. It's out of a heart desire for her that a relationship forms. And so I want to look at a passage, we've talked about this passage many, many times in Luke chapter 15, but what we tend to focus on is the first half of the passage. It's my favorite. We just, you know, put it on YouTube if you want to go watch the prodigal son video that we did with the retreat, and that's the first half of this. Many of us know that story probably. It's this idea of the son who, who looks at his father and says, yeah, pretty much I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance now takes it and goes off and spends all of his money on wild living, doing whatever he wants, and then he runs out of money. And then once he runs out of money, he decides that he is going to go back to his father and ask him to hire him as a, as a servant, not as a son anymore, but as a worker for him. So he starts his way back, and then a beautiful scene of the father comes running to the son. And embraces him. He tries to apologize. And the father says, don't worry about it pretty much. And throws a party for him. And that's where we pick up here. Because I think sometimes when it comes to this story, we stop there a lot of times. I did all the time growing up. Because that's the beautiful story. And then we don't look that there's another character in this story. And it's the older son. The older son, it says, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father still the fat calf. You're celebrating because of the safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. I mean, just imagine this for a second. You're the older brother, okay? I've got a brother, and so my brother's a year younger than me, so I'm the older brother. Imagine my younger brother goes to my dad. He says, hey, I want all my inheritance now. My dad gives it to him. He does all of this. 
partying, whatever he wants to do, spends all the money, runs out of money, and then he comes back home. My father's throwing a party, and I'm out, say I'm out back in the woods, I'm, you know, chopping wood. All of a sudden, I start hearing music from the house, and there's like 30 cars in my parents' driveway, and it's like, it sounds like a party is happening. And I'm looking off in the distance, I'm like, what is going on? So I, I see somebody wandering out my parents' backyard, and I'm like, hey, come over here, what's going on up there? Oh, you didn't hear? Your brother came back. My brother's back? Like, it, it could have been years since he's seen his brother. I, I don't know how long it's been, but there's been at least a period of time that they've been separated. And, and so he hears this and he said, because your brother's come home, they're throwing a party for him. This is exciting. Your brother's come back. And his first response, probably, I, I don't know everybody, but let's just be honest, is probably a logical response. The older brother was angry. I mean, we don't have to play around and not be honest. If my brother comes home after all that, I'm not going to be happy that he's getting a party. Like, let's just be real. He's the one that spent all of dad's money. He's the one that went out and did whatever he wanted. Why does he get a party? Why is he the one that celebrated? He's ruined everything. And I'm the one out here working? That would make me upset. That would frustrate me a little bit. So it seems like, based on this story, the older brother is right. I would be angry. Why does he get all the celebration and the praise for coming home? He ruined it. And he wouldn't go in. I mean, I'd have a hard time going in. I haven't seen this guy in years. I don't know how he's changed. I don't know where his heart's at. I don't know what he looks like anymore. Why would I go celebrate with him? Celebrating all that he messed up. So then the father, just as we saw in the prodigal son, the father always comes out. The, old, the father always comes out to you. And it says the father came out and begged him. This would be really hard for me. This is where I would break if I was in the story. If my father came out and started begging. And he, there's one thing that makes me cry. And it'll make me cry every time, and that's when I see my dad cry. And I can just imagine the father coming out with tears in his eyes saying, will you please just come in and celebrate? Will you please just come in and, and, and be with your brother and celebrate with your brother? And he's over there, you know, smoke coming out of his ears. Are you kidding me, dad? But he replied, all these years, I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And, and, and in all that time, you never gave me even one young girl for peace with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, notice he doesn't say, my brother. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. See, notice what happens here. The difference between these two two sons. The older son over here, he's living a life based on rules. He's living a life based on his faithfulness. He's living a life based on what he does. The younger son's over here and he says, I appeal to God's grace. I appeal to God's love. And what I want to live is a life where yes, I may mess up and yes, I may make mistakes, but the father's always going to come back and the father's always going to love me and the father's going to forgive me. The older son's over here going, if you would just do everything right, that's how it works. And so when you live a life based on rules and there's no relationship, 
you appeal to what you've done, not what he's done. And so he says, all these years, I've never done anything wrong. You got this son of yours who's over here and comes to you and says, hey, give me your, my part of the inheritance now. I'm going to go do whatever I want. I didn't even think about coming to you and doing that. I didn't even think for a second that I'm going to defy my dad like that. I'm going to be obedient to him. I'm going to do what he tells me. I'm going to do all the rules and set all of the boundaries. And I'm going to do everything he commands. Because that's who I am. I'm a works-based person. And if I do everything right, then I should get a celebration. And I think when it comes to our relationship with God, if we see it as a bunch of rules and we see this is what I have to follow, we follow out of duty, not out of desire. And all of a sudden, everything what we thought was a relationship really is us just following the list of rules. It's like when, you know, you look at Christianity and you look at all the things that, that we do to passionately pursue this relationship, we think then we should be rewarded. Well, I go to church every week. I read my Bible every week. I sit with believers at school and I don't say any cuss words and I don't go out to parties and, and I don't push the boundaries with my girlfriend. So I'm doing everything God's called me to do. So God should bless me. God should give me you know, money or God should give me what I'm praying for. God should give me fill in the blank. It can be so easy for us to look at this as a bunch of rules and so we start following it. Obedience becomes out of duty instead of out of desire. Well, I have to do these things because that's what I'm supposed to do. He appeals to his dad and he says, I'm doing everything you've told me to do. I've been doing it for years. I've never disobeyed. I got to read it just for a second. I was reading this this morning. Out of the Passion Translation. And I love the Passion Translation. And it says this. When he comes, the father comes out. He says, The older son became angry and refused to go in and celebrate. So when his father came out and pleaded with him, Come and enjoy the feast with us. The son said, Father, listen. How many years have I, have I worked like a slave for you, performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son? And never once but you've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness never once have you given me a goat that I would feast on and celebrate with my friends as this son of yours is doing now I mean how often do you go to God and say hey look what I've done I read the Bible in a year last year like I'm supposed to I'm listening to worship music in the car instead of all this other secular music that's coming out. Like, how do you view God? Do you think God just wants to see all the good stuff that you do? He just wants you to be obedient and walk the way you're supposed to and then flaunt it like that's that's my achievement like I think so often in our world today we 
we're such productivity driven. And so everything we do is like, look how much I've done. And God just wants you. He just wants a relationship with you. And we're too busy being the older son out there saying, look how much I've done for you, God. And we're doing it all with a hardened heart because we don't, we don't want to spend time with God truly. We just want to do it because that's what we're supposed to do. And when's the last time you just sat with him? When's the last time you just were honest with him? And, and you just truly wanted to be with him because it's a relationship. If I, if I did everything in my relationship based on works for Shannon, like what relationship would that be? If I never wanted to just truly spend time with her because I wanted to. But I said, well, I bought you flowers and I took you out on a date. And I let you spend money on clothes that you want. Like what? Even you guys would look at me and say, you guys aren't in love. You're just doing things for her. Yet that's what we do so often with God. I bought God the chocolates. I took God out on a date. Yeah, but when's the last time, even like last night, Shannon and I just sit in the living room and we just talk? When's the last time you just sat down with God and talked? Not because you had to, not because somebody forced you to, but because out of your own desire and love for Him, you just want to sit with Him. Obedience becomes natural and not a nuisance when you see it as a relationship, not a set of rules. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. See, I think what happens also in this rules mindset is you forget about life and death. Like this son has just come from death to life. He's come back to Jesus. His life has turned around. And, and the older son can't see that. He can't be excited about that. Because he goes, he's looking at all the bad things this son has done instead of what God has done for him. And so instead of appealing to the relationship, he's appealing to what he's done. And he says, I can't get behind that. I can't celebrate all the bad stuff he's done. He hasn't been faithful. He's left your side. And the father goes, it's so much bigger than that. It's so much bigger than you just reading your Bible every day. It's so much bigger than you just going to church every week. It's so much bigger than you listening to worship music. It's, it's so much bigger than that. This is, this is people's souls we're talking about. This is life and death. And we miss it when it's all about the rules. We miss it because we're so focused on what we do instead of what he's done. It's like, you know, there's people out there that we want to see come from death to life. There's people I want to see come from death to life. There's people in my own friend group that if they were to die today, they, I would never see them again. And that's hard. And I can get so wrapped up in I gotta go to church on Sundays, and then now I gotta go to adults on Thursdays. So I gotta do that on Thursdays, and I gotta come to work every every day, and I gotta meet with people, and, and then I also gotta spend time with God, and I gotta read my Bible. And it's like, well, well, what about the people 
that don't know him. What about out of my love for God, I want to love people? I can run in circles and say the same thing over and over, but, but here's what you need to know, is that it can be easy to fall into the older son. Probably all of us may have stories in our own Christian journey when we've fallen into that. I've fallen into that. I can open up notebooks right now. Day 200 and some that I, that I was journaling, I went through this plan. And, 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 you know, growing up, we never, you had to pretty much die to miss church. I could get up and say, I threw up this morning. And if I couldn't prove it, I'm going to church. Like, that's just how our family was. And it wasn't until I just started to flip the switch and go, I think I'm just doing these things because I'm supposed to. That I, that I truly met Jesus. That I understood his love for me. That it wasn't on how much I could offer him. It's just realizing that I will never make it. I will never measure up. And so I need to rest in him. And I just need to walk in this relationship with him and appeal to him. Because of what he's done. And then out of my love and desire to continue to be more like him, that makes me want to follow the rules. I don't like to use that word, but it makes me want to obey him out of my natural ability. Not because I have to, but that I want to read his truth because I want to know more about him. So that I can walk with them better. I want to go to church because there's other believers there that want to encourage me and walk this life with me. And that can hold me accountable. I want to listen to music that, that's going to get me in a heart posture of worshiping God. Not because I just don't want to listen to that other stuff. But because I can't get enough of God. I want to be like Mary who sits at the feet of Jesus. And she's so engulfed with Jesus. Because she wants to. How do you view God? Do you see God as wanting to know how much you've done, or do you see a God that comes running for you, no matter what you've done? Maybe some of us just need to look from a different angle, and when we see God as somebody that just loves you and wants to have a relationship with you, it might change how we are obedient. It just might shift our hearts to want to do these things because we love Him so much. Let's close with this. Um, I've talked a lot about the pack. If you don't know what the pack is, um, Peyton knows what it is because his brother was in it, but we had this group of guys, there was about six of us, that we called ourselves a pack in high school. You probably have friends like this. We were at each other's house pretty much every other day, every weekend. We were spending the night at somebody's house. We were going out and doing things. We were always together. That was just the group we were. We were a brotherhood. That's, we did life together. We were stupid together. Most of my stories that I tell you guys happened with these guys. We learned a lot. We failed a lot. And most of us have come out the other side following Jesus. But we took it as... So far, is that we made this declaration. I did not make this. My brother made this, and Peyton's brother Wyatt made this. I came over to their house one day, and they had this all typed up. They're laminated. This is how important it is. 
They typed up everything. And I want to read this to you. This isn't mine. This is my buddy Ian, so I'm going to say his name because he's the one that signed it. And then all the family fathers are at the bottom. Okay? I, Ian, was accepted and am now part of the pack, pursuing after Christ's knowledge. As I live my life, I will always remember and never abandon the pack. As a member of this group, I will follow the pack's code of conduct. Number one, brotherhood. I will never turn against the pack. Number two, commitment. If the pack calls, I'm there. Number three, live for Christ, read the Bible, build relationships, prayer, fast, BYOB, bring your own Bible, and share your faith. In closing, I, Ian, agree to follow the pack rules, and if I do not, I will be put on probation. Signature, Ian Justice, Founding Fathers, Ian Wyatt Taylor, and he. So I mentioned before, I won't mention again, there's a second pack contract that's a little more raunchy that they wrote up, and probably more what they wanted it for. But it's very interesting to me because there's three, three rules on here. And like, let's just imagine for a second that for these three rules, all we had to do for the pack is follow these three rules. I had to never turn my back on the pack. I had to, if they called, I'm there. And then I do all these things that are, that are supposed to be pursuing for Christ. If I did those things and just those things, do you think I'd have a relationship with them? You could say, well, maybe, because, you know, if they call, then you're there. And if, you know, somebody's in a hard spot, you never turn your back on them. But if I just solely followed these rules, never got involved in their lives, it doesn't say anything about me hanging out with them all the time. It doesn't say anything about doing all the bad stuff with them having dumb experiences, all that stuff. It doesn't say that. It just says these three rules. If I just followed those three rules, would I have a relationship with them? Probably not. And even you've got the second part that if you don't follow these rules, you get a temporary ban. You're not a part of this group anymore. And I think so many times we see this relationship that God's got this contract he's written up for us. And he says, okay, now that you've entered into a relationship with me, here's what you've got to follow. Make sure you pick up your Bible and read it every day. Even if it's one verse, I still want you to read it. Make sure you go to church this week because I need to spend time with you only on Sunday. But don't worry about it through the week because that's how we think. We only worship God on Sunday, so. Make sure you get your once a weekend. And, and we have all these rules, and then we sign it, and then we think if we break the rules, we're no longer in this relationship, or we're on a probation period. I'm here to tell you the only reason this mattered is because we built a relationship with each other. And that it was much deeper than a piece of paper. And it was much deeper than following a bunch of rules. We wanted to spend time with each other. We didn't want to turn our backs. We wanted to do life together because we built a relationship with each other. This was never an option to turn our back. It was never an option when somebody called to not be there. We were there. And so I challenge you. Don't see this relationship with God like the older brother. That here's your contract, sign it, and follow it. But out of obedience, because you love him, that's why you do what you do. Be more like the younger brother. 
Don't do all the dumb stuff like the younger brother, but realize you don't measure up and that you need a savior and that all you want to do because he brought you from death to life. You just want to please him. Imagine it's like somebody who saved your life. All you want to do is just repay them. Jesus did that for you. And so you dedicate your life to loving him and being more like him. How do you see Jesus?